happy Father's Day to all of our fathers in the room, whether you are a father biologically or adoptive father or a spiritual father by the role that you play as a teacher or a coach or mentor. Um, the love that you pour into other people is probably will pay dividends that you'll never see. So we just want you to know that we really appreciate you this morning. Well, speaking of the love that fathers show us, I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. That's page uh, 934 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow the pew Bibles, um, or in your own Bible. It's the famous chapter on love, is what we'll be focusing on this morning. But before we read that chapter, let us pray. Lord, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Christ our single concern. Amen. Amen. Hear now this famous chapter from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Today we are wrapping up our series on spiritual gifts by focusing on the greatest gift of all, which is love. Now you may have noticed over the past six weeks that love doesn't show up on any of our lists. Our, our list of the spiritual gifts or our list of the strengths finders talents. That's because love really is a category of its own. If you think of the gifts and strengths that we are given by God, like fruits on a tree, fruits that are meant to bless others, then think of love as the soil in which the tree grows. 
Think of love as the sun that shines, the rain that falls. Love is beneath and above and all around. Without love, the tree cannot bear fruit. Without love, all this talk of spiritual gifts and strengths that we have been doing the last six weeks is pointless. And that, my friends, is because God is love. As Amanda read earlier, we are told this in 1 John. God is love. And God, through Jesus Christ, has given himself to all of us, which is why some of your Bibles label this chapter, Love, the Universal Gift. Because God's love is abundantly given to every member of Christ's church. Every one of us is given this gift. And this love of God, this soil, this sunshine, that rain that enables us to grow and to bear fruit, it is for the blessing of others. So this morning, I'm bringing our series to a close by bringing us back to the foundation. God's love. For without love, nothing that we do or say really matters. Because it is only love that never ends. Now this morning, we're going to do things a little differently. Are you okay with that? Yes. <laughs> All right. So usually in sermons, I try to make some points and then give a story or two to illustrate. Instead, this morning, I'm going to tell you a story and then let that story bring the points to light. Does that sound okay? All right. Okay. Well, our story today comes from two of our good friends, Brandon and my friends in Holland, Michigan. Their names are Brent and Caitlin Borsma. You might have read about them in the recent bulletin insert from the RCA Today or in the RCA Today magazine. So Brandon first met them in 2005 in their freshman year at Hope College. He saw them meet and fall in love and get married, all that fun stuff. I met them a few years later in 2008 when I moved there. When I got to know the Borismas, they were pretty much your typical mid-20-somethings in America. They both worked full-time. They lived in a 900-square-foot home, one that they might have called a, a starter home, that they would stay there maybe five years or so, and then maybe, maybe move to something else. They had a little dog named Moksha, and then they welcomed this little beauty, Vienna. They were your typical mid-20-somethings. Until Vienna was about six months old, which is about when this picture was taken. And their lives took a dramatic shift. Well, now for that shift, I'm just going to let them tell the story themselves. I'll have Peter pull up this news clip. They were interviewed recently by a local news station in Grand Rapids. If you could when it came to technology, too. our founder, Herman DeVry, never settled. Instead, he formed a relationship with tech until it became his ally. At DeVry University, our students still harness the power of technology. During that, we were afraid of this. We weren't sure whether to play this or not, so we weren't sure if we could get the ad to go away. But um, so we, we learned that the ad did not go away. But I'll tell you, they're being interviewed in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
Every child deserves a family that loves and cares for them. And Bethany Christian Services is ready to help connect children in need with families who are willing to open their hearts and their homes. Families like the Borsma family. Let's talk a little bit about your family, Dad. Uh, tell me who you brought along today. Yep, so I uh, got my wife, Caitlin, my daughter, Vienna, my son, Shawit, and my son, Ephraim. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your family's journey. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to let my uh, oh, wife answer that one. I'm passing the torch quickly here. <laughs> you did a so. fine job introducing them. Yeah, thank you. Thank Take you. it away, Mom. Yeah, yeah well, um, our son here, Shawit, joined our family about two years ago. And Ephraim, shortly after Shawit came, he came. And about six months before that, um, my husband and I started do, reading the Bible every day. And through that, uh, I was using a tool called ifequip.com, and I started reading a book as well called God Guides by an RCA missionary named Mary Geek. And she talks about uh, listening prayer. And so daily, my husband and I started reading the Bible. We were doing listening prayer. And out of that, the word refugee was just planted on our hearts. And so through more prayer, we really felt like our family was supposed to grow through refugee foster care. At the so, time your daughter was one? She was about six months, nine months old. So. And are you thinking, this is crazy, we have this little baby. Yes, very crazy. It took, a, it, again, it said six months to really, God, to prod us to actually take the step forward. And then you called Bethany. Yes. And then what happened? I can answer that one. It's all yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. It's all you. So I went in and uh, handed in the, our resume uh, application, and uh, within 20 minutes they called and said... You weren't to your car yet. No, no. I said, y'all are crazy for calling me that quickly. Do you know how much guts that took me? But uh, our hearts quickly melted, and we said, you got it. Let's go for it. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. And you know, where are you from? I'm from Eritrea. And what is it like to know that a family in West Michigan opened up their heart and their home and you are now there, you're, you're part of their family, they call you son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy. They, want, they, like, they like to help people, you know. Um, I'm so happy to be their part of family. Mm -hmm. And you're a junior in high school, at Allegan High School, yeah. and when you think about how awesome it is that this family has opened up their heart and their home to you, what does it mean to know that there are people who love you and they've never even met you? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, they are really, they are me, like, they have me with the, to go to school, like, like that stuff, yeah, I'm happy with them, like, they're, part of family. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> Dad, what have you gotten out of the experience of having the six-month-old and then all of a sudden two boys joining, <laughs> now your family of, you know, five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, every day really is an adventure. Uh, we, we learn a lot. As, as, I, as I like to say to people along the way, uh, I, I really don't know what I'm doing, uh, but you know, I, I almost feel like I'm, I'm their friend. You know, uh, that we play video games together, we we go watch sports together. I, I cheer on my boys on the soccer team. You know, it's just we have a lot of fun. Uh, every day is an adventure, and we we figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm hearing almost as if you're getting as much out of having these young men in your home as you may be giving them. Oh, yes. It's very mutual. They've taught us so much in their two years in our home, then probably more than we've taught them. So it's been a blessing both ways. That is so awesome. You know, we are thrilled to have a place like Bethany Christian Services right here in Grand Rapids, but you definitely are serving can, around the world. How big is the need for foster families? Um, right now.
Well, that, that video always makes me chuckle because um, Shuit and Ephraim, when they arrived to the States, they didn't speak a word of English. And so you can see here they're still like, um, their, their English is still developing. So she's trying to give them these leading questions. And they're like, I don't know what you're saying. But um, yeah, so I wanted to share this story with you um, because... I love it for so many reasons, and I believe it illustrates our text and the ways in which God calls us to love in a number of ways. So one reason that this journey, that I love this journey that they have been on, is that it started through simple practices. Simple practices of reading scripture and listening prayer. Listening prayer, if you've never heard that, it's a, it's a way of just being silent before God, of stopping running our wish list off to God and making space just to let God speak to us. And it was through silent listening and scripture reading that God prepared and called two 20-somethings to an act of extreme love, fostering refugee sons. You should know that shortly after this was filmed, they welcomed a third son into their family. So now they are a family of six. And this story resembles the same way in which God has prepared and called so many of God's people to loving acts of service. I invite you to pull out your bulletin, as Brandon pointed out earlier. A lot of this stuff is listed here in your bulletin. This way that God has worked to call people to loving acts of service is modeled really well in what is called the simple path. Um, This is from Mother Teresa. The path goes something like this. The fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. The fruit of love is is service. The fruit of service is peace. Watching the Borsma's journey has revealed to us the wondrous ways that God can work in such a simple path through simple people. So when the Borsma started this really simple practice of setting aside time to be silent and to read the Bible, it was from this that we saw their faith go really deep. And it was in this deep faith that God planted on their hearts a love for people they had never even met, this love for refugees. And it was from this love that was planted in their hearts from God that they were compelled to serve. And now what you don't know, but we have been able to see, is that their peace has grown exponentially. They're very peaceful people, more so than they used to be, I think. And by peace, I don't mean the the absence of craziness or conflict. They are 30 years old, raising three teenage sons and a toddler. These, These boys, they didn't speak any English, so their communication was holding up signs with a smiley face or a sad face just every day, like, do you feel like this or this? All the while having a one-year-old trying to to eat and and learn how to speak. It's the things that they do are crazy. It's crazy-making. But they have tremendous peace. A lot more so than I see in some other 30-year-old peers that I have. 
That's because they have chosen to get off this self-focused American rat race that tells you to get more and bigger and better, to seek after your own fulfillment, your own comfort, your own happiness at whatever cost. Brett and Caitlin are learning to focus less on what they want or what the culture tells them they should want and more on how they might use what God has already given them to love others. They have been able to make this shift from self-focused to others-focused because they are deeply rooted in the love of God. When you talk to them, you can see that they are secure in their identity. They know that they are loved, that they are valued, so they don't have to try to get that from other people. Instead, they can joyfully use what God has given them to love others. That 900-square-foot starter home, well, it's become their permanent home. They are okay with staying there. They don't have to get bigger and better. They're okay with staying there with three teenage boys and a toddler. They're content. And they made a decision that Caitlin would stop working so that she could help these boys and be present to Vienna. But with a smaller income, they realize that they have some increasing needs for clothes for teenagers and food. Do any of you have teenagers? They eat a lot of food. Yes. So they needed some more income, so they decided to simplify their stuff. Caitlin went through her closet and sold most things she had, and she keeps just a couple basic items and made some money to buy the clothes clothes for the boys. And I bought some of those things from her, so now I can pray for them every time I put those things on. It was actually a very funny story. The the boys had only been there, Ephraim and Shuit, for about three weeks when she was doing this. And so for days, Caitlin had women filing in and out of her house, trying on clothes in their basements. They couldn't speak any English, but they thought this was so funny, these Americans setting up shop in their basement. And they, they thought... This was just a very American, strange thing to do. (laughs) But their lives, these very practical, simple things that they're doing, this simple path, this cutting out time to be with God in silence, this cutting out stuff so they can serve others, this cutting out all the other distractions so they can focus their love on what God has called them to. This simple life is blessing others in a huge way. And in this simplicity, they are finding abundance, an abundance of peace. I wonder, does anyone else here desire these things? Simplicity, abundance, peace? I know I do. I encourage us then to follow this simple path, which starts very simply in silent listening prayer. So I draw your attention to the first living the word question in your bulletin. It's up here too if you don't have a bulletin. So how can you make space this week to be silent with God in prayer? Perhaps it means turning off the TV, waking up earlier, turning off the music in your car as you drive, just taking a walk outside to get away from distractions. I urge you to commit to silent prayer every day this week for at least 15 minutes. 
Some of you have just a 15-minute drive to get here to church or to the grocery store. Just commit to doing something simple. Open yourself up to hear what God might have to say to you. Spending time in silence hearing from God, this helps us to be filled with the love of God. And remember, friends, we are like trees that need the love of God, like a tree needs sun and soil and rain. Without it, we cannot grow or live or bear fruit to give to others. So this week, can we commit to some silent prayer? Anyone in? Yes. Good. All right. Well, that's our first, first point that we get from the Borsma story. Now, the second reason I love their story is that it illustrates the ways in which spiritual gifts, which we've been focusing on, and the fruits of the Spirit are directly correlated. So I draw your attention to the top key quote in your bulletin. The gifts and fruits of the Spirit are like two wings of a bird. The wings must work in harmony if the bird is to fly. Isn't that beautiful imagery? The gifts and fruits of the Spirit must work in harmony if the bird is to fly. Now, if the fruits of the Spirit are new to you or you need a refresher, they are listed at the top of your bulletin from Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. On that list, do you notice which one comes first? Love, our theme for today. Love comes first. Just as with the gifts of the Spirit, I would contend that among the fruits of the Spirit, love is the greatest. Perhaps it deserves a category all its own, for it is from love that these other fruits arise. Now, this quote about the bird, what, I'll go back to that, this quote here, what it points out is that as we serve others with our gifts and talents, we must do so through the fruits of the Spirit. So, for example, if you're trying to use a gift of evangelism and you're not kind or patient or loving, you're not going to get very far. Your bird's going to fall flat on his face. Now, now what's beautiful about the way that God works in our lives is that the more we put our gifts to use serving others, the more God tends to grow the fruits of the Spirit within us. So, for example, in this journey of foster parenting, we have seen Brent and Caitlin grow leaps and bounds, growing kinder and more generous and more patient and more faithful every day. This is because the journey has required them to rely on the power of the Spirit more than ever before. And in this reliance, the Spirit has breathed new life into them. Now last week, if you were here, we had an open prayer time and Larry Simpson stood up and he shared about how he was grateful for this revival he felt in his spirit after the Revive Us Again concert weekend. And he prayed that we might have a similar revival in our church and in our community and thought that our focus on the spiritual gifts and strengths might be a way that God is inviting us to do that. And I believe that Larry is right on. 
developing and using our gifts, all the while praying for God to grow within us the fruits of the Spirit, this is a key to revitalization. It's a key to revitalization personally and communally. Friends, we're not the first ones to pray for revival. Larry is not actually the first one to say that. He stands in a long line of people who have pointed this out. So that quote that we saw about the bird, he's actually referring to the work of John Calvin in the mid-1500s. You see, John Calvin, he was given the task of revitalizing the church in Europe. This, he decided, could only be done by getting churchgoers to connect deeper with God and then deeper with others. Sounds familiar, right? Kind of like the greatest commandment, love God, love neighbor, which Jesus taught 1,500 years before that, and which the Torah taught thousands of years before that. It's nothing new, friends. It's nothing new. But one Calvin scholar, reflecting on Calvin's work in the 1500s, writes this about our day today. He says, No less emphasis is needed in our day, the 21st century, of participation without involvement and relationships without commitment. What, what he's saying here is that we live in what has been called by some others as a culture of consumer Christianity. That is, we've been trained by our culture to think that churchly is, is simply about getting our needs met. Because we all want the fruits of the Spirit, don't we? We want love, joy, peace, patience, don't we? But sometimes we have been trained to think that the ways we get those is simply by consuming, consuming music and sermons and books and on and on and on. And that's important. I'm glad we're here. This is really important. And I'm going to get to that. But that's not all we do. What we don't realize is that the fruits of the Spirit in serving others go hand in hand. They are like two wings of a bird. Often the fruits of the Spirit that we want are developed through service. And the vice versa is true. The more our fruits grow, the more, mo- more motivated and better able we are to use our gifts. So like two wings of a bird, gifts and fruits must work in harmony if we are to fly. I'm going to, I skipped forward too quickly. That loops us back to the first point, this simple path, which we are called to cycle through again and again. I think I just skipped a slide in there, so I'll stay here. So we need silent time of prayer to be filled with God's love and all the fruits of the Spirit. But we don't stay there. We are then called to service, to spread God's love by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by doing what what God made us to do, we are filled with peace. And then we return again to silence and prayer, where we ask God to fill and direct us again and again. This path is really simple, my friends. It is like breathing in and out, in and out. We breathe in God's love, then breathe it out. This is the model we see Jesus following, retreating in a quiet place to pray, going out to serve, retreating to pray, going out to serve, over and over again. This is the same model we have with worship, coming in together to worship and hear from God, going out to spread the good news, in and out, in and out. 
It's a really simple path. And this rhythm is important because... I just skipped a couple slides, so... Huh. I must have sent the wrong PowerPoint, so I'm just going to, like, stop messing with this. You all can just take a breather. So... So... This, this order that we do, this breathing in and this breathing out, it's really important because it avoids two pitfalls. The two pitfalls are this. One is serving in order to get our own needs met. That is doing more and more and more and more and more and more in order to get others to like us, in order to get our worth from others. This pitfall only leads to burnout and resentment. Have you been there? So that's the first pitfall, doing service in order to get our worth from others. The second pitfall is not serving at all, rather just wanting to be poured into all the time without pouring out. This is the consumer Christianity I mentioned before. This leads to self-centeredness and a lack of spiritual growth. We actually, they've done studies on this, you actually get stunted and stop in your growth if you are not serving others. So we don't want to get stunted. We want the fruits of the Spirit. We want to continue to grow, so we are called to serve. So these two pitfalls can be avoided, this burnout or this stunted growth, by practicing our love like we breathe. Breathe in God's love, breathe it out. Breathe in breathe out. This is where our living the word challenge number two comes in, this slide that keep, kept coming up on me. So I have personally found that it's in those quiet times of breathing in that God points out to me areas of my life where fruit needs to grow. Sometimes, like this past week, I had a day where the Holy Spirit said, Stephanie, you were not very patient yesterday. So today, I am going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me be patient. And let me tell you, I was a lot more loving in my work, in my relationships, because I was paying attention to the spirits wanting to grow this fruit of patience within me. Because without the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit fall flat. So I encourage you to do this this week. In your silent time, pray through the gifts of the Spirit. Pay special attention to the fruits that might need growth. Ask the Holy Spirit to grow you in these areas. And as we do this, friends, I believe we'll find ourselves more easily able to love those around us. One small step at a time. That brings us to our third and final point. The third reason I love the Borisma story is that it models this quote from Mother Teresa that I believe history proves to be spot on. And that is, can you, there we go, perfect. And that is, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. So if you saw in the interview at the end, Brent confessed that most days he has no idea what he's doing. Each day, he and Caitlin simply try to do small things with great love. They show up to soccer games. They help the boys with their homework. They make food for hungry mouths. And friends, it is through small things, 
done each day in great love, that God is saving the lives of three refugee boys. God is saving lives through them simply opening their home and doing small things day in and day out. Brent shared that before they became foster parents, he and Caitlin were so overwhelmed by the refugee crisis. There was such a need, and they, simple people, didn't know what they could do. But Brent says this in his interview. There's this, there's this huge refugee crisis taking place, and it feels like, where do you even begin? But when you break it down and think, well, maybe we can do just one. Leaning into that pushed us big time. So they went to one meeting, offered to host one child, now two, now three, and now they are encouraging other people to do the same, and droves of refugees are being loved and cared for because they were willing to open themselves up to just one. Maybe we can do just one. Friends, that's where change happens, when we open ourselves to do just one small thing at a time. One small thing with a lot of love. That brings us to our final challenge for this week. Ask God to reveal what small acts you can do with great love. Where are there needs around you? And how might God use your unique gifts and strengths to do just one thing to serve others this week? I don't know what that is for you. God knows because God has uniquely equipped you with strengths and talents. God has uniquely placed different words on your heart that tug at you. Pay attention. In silence and prayer, pay attention to those tugs. Pay attention to what God has put on your heart. Because God wants to use you, because he loves you and has made you to spread his love to others. So brothers and sisters, as we wrap up this gift, this series on spiritual gifts, I encourage us to remember that God's love is the source of, the reason, the means of using our gifts and talents. I pray that we would soak in this love, be firmly rooted and established in God's love, so that God might grow us up into strong trees that bear good fruit, every day doing small acts with great love that God will use for the redemption of all the world. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are love and you have shown us the most excellent way by laying down your own life for us. You show us how to love others. We pray that we would soak in your love, that we would be so saturated with your love that all we can do is pour it out to others. Not in a way that tries to earn us approval from others, but in a way that is joyful and so happy to be able to share with others what you have so freely given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.